Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 Podcast, the podcast that explores the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Happy New Year! Yay! It's 2023. Happy New Year, Peter. Happy New Year. Did you have a good time at the Bells? I don't know yet, because we're recording this, I think, on, what, the 12th of (laughs) December? Yes. But yes, I hope so. I've no idea. At this point, I've no idea what I'm even going to be doing at New Year. I don't know if I'm going to be working. I don't know if I'm going to be around anyone else's house. I've no idea. Did you have a nice time at the Bells? I had a great time. I was sitting listening to The Lord of Batman or that excellent episode, <laughs> surprise episode of the Earth 2 podcast that I hope our listeners enjoyed. <laughs> I'm looking forward to enjoying that episode when I hear it for the first time. It's very exciting. <laughs> yes, listeners, it's the space year 2023. It's our fourth calendar year. Of releasing episodes of this podcast. (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) It's great, though. And I have to say, in our early stages of preparation, I thought by the time we reached our fourth year of releasing episodes, I thought we'd be a bit further on than 1971. But 1971 (laughs) is where we pick up the story from where we left it last year. This week, we are reading Brave and the Bold, issue 96, which was published on the 15th of April, 1971. Peter is going to tell you about the cover. We're still in that strange period where there's not a proper DC logo. Instead, we have at the very top of the comic, the Brave and the Bold banner. Mm. On the left-hand side, we have Batman with his cape up in front of his face, above a DC Brave and Bold typeset. And on the right-hand side, there is a helmet with Sergeant Stripes on it, Mm. which uh, gives away who the co-star is. Because underneath that, it says Batman and Sergeant Rock. Oh, such you, sir. Now... Underneath that, the main cover, we are at the United States of America Embassy. Somewhere, don't know where. There is a lamp lighting the scene. There is, that's right. It's a lovely, charming detail. Yes. We have Sergeant Rock, who appears to be older than we've seen him before, wearing brown military fatigues, and he's got a machine gun, it looks like, and he's behind the gates of the embassy, and Mm. it looks like... He's shot Batman. Yes. Batman doesn't look happy at all. No. Batman's recoiling back and he's saying, Rock, and we trusted you, you traitor. Yes. And Sergeant Rock, he doesn't care. Short blonde hair, he doesn't care. Looks very smart in this outfit, it must be said. But he's staring at Batman. The smoke is emerging from the, the barrel of the gun. Gosh, what's going on? Sergeant Rock has shot Batman. Now... Listeners, you may remember last year, run about the start of the summer last year, we did issue 84 of The Brave and the Bold, which was the first time that Batman and Sergeant Rock teamed up in the pages of this title. They team up several times, we're going to do them all. The main reason we're doing them, as we outlined at the time, but if any new listeners have recently joined us and haven't heard that episode, we're doing the Sergeant Rock issues of B&B, because Sergeant Rock is a character who was established as being active during World War II, which is when the vast majority of the Golden Age DC superheroes we're also active. Mm-hmm. And we're doing all the Batman and Sergeant Rock issues of Brave and Bold because we're trying to figure out which Earth these stories each take place on. Yes. We kind of agreed that issue 84, because it was explicitly set during World War II and featured Batman and Sergeant Rock as being active during World War II, that it was on Earth 2. Because Earth 2, as we all know by now, is the world that the Golden Age DC superheroes were active on during World War II in the pre-crisis DC comics mm-hmm. multiverse. So if Batman was kicking about during World War II, it has to be Earth 2. Wouldn't you agree, Peter? Yeah. Yes, there was a tiny, tiny, tiny margin that it might have been 
the Earth One Batman, but you'd really be stretching it to say it was. He would have to be in his 50s. Yes. Running about in the 70s, if that was the case. Yes. And to be honest, as we said at the time, they did go to great pains to try and not show the Bat logo mm. during that story. Yep. The yellow oval around the Bat logo, which generally is the Earth One Batman, but we'll get back to this later. Yes. That was present on the cover, but covers are just like an indication of the story. They're not actually part of the continuity, as we know. Yes, and let's be honest, the cover of Brave and Bold 84, nothing like that happens whatsoever in the no, story at all. Nothing like that happened at all. So yes, there was a slight possibility it could have been that, but throughout the story they went to great pains to try and cover up the Bat logo, and occasionally you saw what appeared to be a bit of an oval yeah. around it, but there was no hint of the traditional yellow yes. around it, so that could have been shading, could have been crease, could have been just a different design that Batman was trying out at that time. Absolutely. We do not know. Yep. Mm. And as regular listeners will know, during one of the JLA-JSA team-up stories we did last year, the entire Justice Society was pictured and Batman was shown as having a yellow oval on his chest symbol. So that blows that hole wide open. Mm-hmm. As we open issue 96, our anticipation is steered towards generally enjoying the story, obviously. I'm hoping we do a good job of the reading, but also bearing in mind which Earth could this be taking place on, given everything that we've just said about the previous encounter. Yes. So we'll have we'll be watching out to see if there's any close ties to Brave and Bold 84. We'll be watching out for any close ties to the period of time it's taking place in. We want to observe Batman and Sergeant Rock's relationship, all that sort of stuff. There is a generally widely held belief that a lot of the odd Brave and Bold stories, the ones that are kind of hard to classify and determine which Earth take place on, they take place on something called Earth B. But Peter and I are resolute in our determination to try and avoid using that. And we want to try and... Yeah. What are we trying to do, Pete? We're trying to see if there is a more logical explanation for these stories. You know, it's so easy to say, oh, these don't really count because they must be on another Earth, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes we look at them you can actually explain it as being on a proper established Earth. Yes. As opposed to this mysterious Earth B. Yes. Which they just throw anything at that they kind of just want to not assign to an Earth. So, yeah. Yeah. As we continue the podcast, our primary source, in fact, the only real source that we're going to commit to taking as as an indicator of what's going on are the published stories themselves. Occasionally we might look at stuff that gets suggested on letters pages. Even more occasionally we Mm -hmm. might consider something that's said in Who's Who. But really just trying to take the stories at face value yeah. and really think about what the stories themselves tell us before we get too far into sort of received wisdom fan theories. Yeah, especially to people who were reading it at the time and not looking at it with the benefit of hindsight. Exactly. Like us looking at it 50 years later. Exactly. We're trying to like read it as if we were reading it at the time. Absolutely. So, with all that preamble out of the way, shall we get on with the story? Let's do so. Awesome. Raven Bold, 96, April 71. Now... This story is drawn by Nick Cardy and written by Bob Haney. It's quite dense, like the last couple of Brave and Bold's that we've done. We did one with Plastic Man quite recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few more coming up that we're going to do. So if you've got the, the Brave and Bold omnibus that covers these issues or the Showcase Presents or the issues themselves, make sure you've got quite a few of them handy. Fair bit to say about the artwork and stories as, as we go, but we'll leave all that probably for later on. But it's quite a muddy story, quite a lot of telling to be told. Yeah. Yeah. So we begin... The caption for the first panel on page one. The soft night bathes the marble boulevards of a quiet South American city in distorting moonlight. Yes, and it's a nice shot of a large black fancy limousine with headlights and full beam driving along a narrow road and there's another vehicle which seems to be approaching it. The caption for panel two. Suddenly! And there's a massive crash as the larger rusty coloured vehicle, or maybe it's just the lighting that we can see, it appears to be a small van, has collided with the limousine. 
in panel three, there's a caption that says, The next moment. And we see some fisticuffs going on, people emerging from the limousine and people have obviously come out of the van bearing guns and they're obviously dragging someone we can see wearing a hat out of the limousine after taking him prisoner. The caption in the next panel says, a shattering burst of automatic fire. Yes, a nice buddha buddha sound effect is presumably what's the driver of the limousine is shot down and we see the man in the hat who's being dragged out of the back of the limousine being carted towards the van. The caption for the final panel on page one. And once more, the soft distorting moonlight closes in. In the background, the van speeds off and the body of the driver lies on the ground underneath the car. We arrive at page two, the caption for the first panel. The following day in Washington, D.C., we see a smartly dressed man, we see him from the back, wearing a brown suit, short, neat black hair. A secretary gestures towards the door and says, You may go in now, Mr Wayne. And Mr Wayne, for it is he, Bruce Wayne, thinks. The Secretary of State wants to see me on sudden notice. Why? You're moving in high circles, Brucey boy. And we have another caption, which runs the full width of the page, and like the other Brave and the Bolds that we've done recently, looks as if it's been added in afterwards as an afterthought. Mm. Anyway, it says... As the well-known playboy philanthropist enters the imposing office... Yes, we see immediately that there's a, a seated figure with his back to us in the foreground of the panel. We don't see the face of this gentleman throughout the next couple of pages. The Secretary of State, who looks a little different to the last time we saw the Secretary of State, which was in the yeah. the Plastic Man issue of Brave and the Bold that we did just before Christmas. Mm. The Secretary of State is a thicker-set gentleman receding here. He's holding what looks like a newspaper. And he's saying, Mr Wayne... Good of you to come so quickly. You recognise the gentleman in the chair? Mr. Press, I, I, I didn't expect... And then the gentleman in the chair says... I'm here unofficially. Please relax and listen carefully. In panel three, the Secretary of State hands Bruce Wayne a newspaper. We can just about see the headline which reads... US Ambassador Abducted in South America. Gosh. The Secretary of State says... You've seen this? Yes, sir. Ambassador Adams is a friend of mine. It's a terrible thing. Any news on the case? He was abducted by the Campaneros de la Muerte. Apologies for the pronunciation, listeners. The Secretary of State helpfully translates when he says, The Companions of Death, the terrorist group that's kidnapped other government's diplomats. Their ransom demand was received this morning. And then POTUS says, in the final panel of page two, We pray Ambassador Adams can be ransomed safely, but his kidnapping complicates another problem. A treaty we're making with that same government... A treaty vital to free world security. First panel of page three, we're outside the office. We can see them through the window as the Secretary of State says to Bruce Wayne, We must appoint a temporary ambassador to take Adam's place and sign the treaty before the deadline. All our top diplomats are in crucial situations and cannot be transferred. He hands Bruce an envelope in panel two as he says, Therefore, with the Chief Executive's approval, I'm appointing you to the post. Your credentials, Ambassador Wayne. A ambassador? Why, Mr. Secretary, this is a great surprise, an honour. Then the President says from his chair, An honour I hope you will accept, and to make sure you are well protected and help rescue Ambassador Adams, we are appointing another envoy to accompany you secretly. And at that the door to the office opens, and in walks a very familiar figure. Bruce recognises him immediately and exclaims, B batman then we have a caption box that says, This is the tale of a war unlike any other ever fought, but just as deadly for stakes just as high. The headlines don't tell the half of it. The real and secret story is here, now, in the shocker called 
The, the striped, striped pants, pants war. Of course, we should mention that in Britain, pants means a different thing than it does in America. So I just read this as a story about some boxer shorts that don't have a yes. check pattern. Or they have stripes on them, and I think that's bizarre. Indeed. As I said, this story is by Nick Cardi and Bob Haney. We are told this now. We move further into the story. First panel of page four. Batman and Bruce Wayne are shaking hands, as the Secretary of State says. I believe you know each other. Batman has been briefed by my staff. We're back to pants again. Briefs. He'll be there unofficially, of course, but we'll be backing you up every moment. Do you accept, Mr. Wayne? If my country needs me, I do. Out of view, in panel two, the President stands up, puts a hand on Bruce Wayne's shoulder, and uses her hand to shake hands with Batman, and Apotis says, America is lucky to have two such men to turn to in time of trouble. Good luck to both of you. And Batman says, Thank you, sir. I hope we won't let you down. It's a slow dissolve. The caption for the next panel says, Not too long after, in the Wayne penthouse in Gotham City. Yes, listeners, if you're wondering why Batman and Bruce Wayne could be in the same place at the same time, things are explained. We see Alfred, Batman's trusty butler, hanging a Batman costume up on a hook in a cupboard. Alfred is saying, My padded Batman suit carried off another successful masquerade, sir. And Bruce, who's packing a suitcase in the foreground, replies, For what an audience, Alfred! But we had no choice when that hotline phone call demanded a meeting with both Batman and myself present. All packed. Next stop, South America. Fantastic. Another slow dissolve. The caption for the next panel says, Thousands of miles later, as the jet flies... And this next panel's cracking. I really like this. The evolving artwork of Mr. Cardi. In the background, we see the aeroplane which has taken Bruce and Alfred to South America. And in the foreground, in silhouette, we see Bruce Wayne, who's shaking hands with a new acquaintance who very helpfully introduces himself as he says, Welcome, Ambassador Wayne. I'm Abbott Carlyle, First Secretary to the Embassy. Thank you for meeting us. Any late word on Ambassador Adams? And the final panel of page four is an aerial shot of the, the vehicle they're in, the car they're in, driving through the streets of this South American city, as we hear Abbott Carlyle saying, None at all. Though this government is tearing the country upside down searching, I fear for his life. The companions of death are vicious outlaws, barbarians. Shortly, as the newly arrived diplomat presents his credentials... A nice high-angle shot to start off page five, as we see Bruce and Abbott Carlyle meeting a couple of local individuals. And so Peter's going to have a conversation with himself for the next couple of panels. Felicidad, Senor Wayne. It is a bad time for both our countries. Yes, Sir Presidente, but why can't Ambassador Adams be ransomed? The Companions de la Muerte demand the release from prison of several of their members. Bandits! Assassins! If we agree, our political enemies would accuse me of giving in to blackmail. The government would fall and chaos result. We see El Presidente, an older man, thin moustache, thinning hair. Very quite a nice, smart black suit, which is a hint of a pinstripe. He continues in panel three. We have no choice but to hope the policia and the army can rescue Senor Adams and destroy the Campaneros. I see. As you know, Batman is also here, secretly. See. The great Batombre. With him, our hopes are much increased. Later. And we see the gates open in front of a large building. There's a sign on the gatepost that says United States of America Embassy. Could this well be the same embassy we saw on the cover? We shall soon see. Large vehicles pulled up in front of the building. Everyone is getting out of the car. And Abbot Carlyle says, Your embassy, Mr. Ambassador. The palace of the governor when Spain owned this country. Bruce remarks, Impressive looking pile. 
Minutes later, inside... Another figure approaches Abbott, Bruce and Alfred. Bruce recognises him and says, Rock, you? Wayne, Bruce Wayne, my old playboy soldier. And helpfully, Abbott Carlyle, for the those of us who are late to the party, explains, Oh yes, our military attaché and chief of embassy security, Sergeant Rock, US Army. In the first panel of page six, Bruce pats Sergeant Rock on the shoulder and says, Rock, you old son of a gun. Carlyle, would you mind leaving us? Careful of the sergeant's shoulder, Mr. Ambassador. A guilty conscience must make it hurt twice as much. And with that, Abbott takes his leave. Bruce sits down on a handy desk and says, Incredible running into you again, Rock, but what's the army's top kick doing here with a shot-up shoulder? You know, Bruce, kiddo, Rock's a 30-year man. Embassy duty's a cushy deal for an old soldier. No more dirty foxholes are getting shot at. We see that the Rock is opening up his, his jacket and shirt so he can show Bruce's injury. Sergeant Rock continues in panel three. But I was wrong. I got nailed good trying to save Ambassador Adams from those companero creeps and fancy pants won't let me forget I goofed the job. I'm sure you did your best. Rock violently pulls his shirt open here. We can see the bandaged up injury just above his sort of left peck, obviously when he's been shot. And he passionately says, Yeah, but who remembers your best? See these scars? I got him fighting Uncle Sam's wars. This one from a Nazi mine in North Africa. This one, a sniper on D-Day. Both legs full of goodies from a grenade in Korea. I'm carrying more souvenirs than a recruit returning from his first patrol. You've got every medal in the book to show your country's gratitude. Gratitude? Now the army says I can't re-enlist when my hitch is up next month. Some gratitude. There must be a reason, Rock. Sure. They say it's because I'm all shut up. But I know the real reason. I let the ambassador get snatched. One foul up, and all my scars and medals don't mean a thing. Keep your chin up. This is top secret, but Batman's here too to help find Adams. And Bruce Wayne has a pipe in his mouth, but now we're at the first panel of page seven at this point. He's got his arms folded, very relaxed. The Rock takes his leave in the next panel, saying, The Bat Guy? Sure, great. He was a big help at Shadow Rose in the war. Maybe he can help old Rock again, but I doubt it. And a footnote at this point alerts us and reminds us to see Brave and the Bold, issue 84. And we're going to come back to that at the end of the episode. Peter has a lot to say. Oh, yes. As Sergeant Rock leaves, Bruce waggles his pipe about in his mouth and thinks, He's really bitter. Beaten down. Never thought I'd see the rock of easy like this. A slow dissolve. A caption says, Shortly. Batman is in costume. The real Batman, that is. And he's taking his leave out of a window, saying to Alfred, Time for Batman to make the diplomatic scene. Keep your ears and eyes peeled. I shall be like the proverbial sphinx, sir. Seeing and knowing all, saying nothing. Moments later, twilight unfolds the creature of the night. That's a great caption. That may be my favourite caption we've ever had. Yeah. Nice shot, very moody lighting here, very classic Cardi. We're up in the trees with Batman, who's looking down on a couple of gentlemen standing outside the embassy. Sergeant Rock is one of the gentlemen. He's leaving, and as he does, he says, Keep a good guard, soldier. All you wish you never was born. We don't want Ambassador Wayne grabbed too. And the little soldier sentry says, Yes, sir, Sergeant Rock, sir. The next shot, it's a over-the-shoulder shot of Bruce Wayne Batman watching Sergeant Rock head off down the pavement. Batman thinks, Rock and Civvy's hurrying away somewhere. Well, he's off duty. Now, Batman's got a duty to find where the Campaneros are holding Ambassador Adams before they kill him, if the government doesn't meet their outrageous demands. Another slow dissolve and another caption that says, Not long after... 
and Batman is doing some detecting. He's obviously at the site of the kidnap involving the vehicles that we saw at the start of the story. He's down on his knees, examining the tracks and thinking, This is where that van rammed the ambassador's car. But Rock said he was so busy tangling with those thugs he didn't get a good look at it. First caption then for the first panel of page eight. Now a bizarre cry shatters the stillness of the deserted boulevard. We hear a cry in the distance of, Ha! Taro! Ha! Taro! And Batman swirls his head around and beholds a big fancy building in the background and he thinks, What in blazes? A bullring and somebody in there. Stealthily, the masked manhunter enters the empty area. And again, some brilliant moody silhouette artwork from Mr. Cardias. Batman looks down into the arena and sees a little boy playing with a dummy of a bull and a little boy's crying, Ha! Ha! Taro! And Batman is thinking, Well, I'll be... A kid practising to be a matador. Batman has jumped down into the arena in the next panel, and the little boy greets him, crying, Bad hombre! Madre mia! Buenas noches! Perhaps you can help me. How are you called, amigo? Angel! Angel Camacho! Do you come here often, Angel? <laughs> it's not the first time Peter said that in his life, kids, I'll tell you. In an Adam West voice. <laughs> Got to leave that in. The little boy replies, See, every night... I must practice if I am to become a great Torio. Then you were here the night the Americano ambassador was taken. Oh, see, I heard shooting and ran to see. A big hombre lay wounded and a truck with a dent like a bull's horn on it racing away. You could see a dent at that distance? My sight is sharp, so I can read a bull's eyes across the arena and know if he is about to charge. Bueno, if you see that truck again, tell Ambassador Wayne at his embassy, but only him. It is muy importante. And with that, they shake hands. Batman takes his leave. Batman has emerged from the, the bullring building and has spotted a figure in the distance as he thinks, Good kid. I'm sure I can trust him. Hmm. Somebody waiting outside? And the caption for panel three. Suddenly, as the tall figure is bathed in a glow of light. Yes. We can see the figure is using a, a lighter to light a cigar. The flame lights up the face of the man and in the distance in the background, Batman recognises and thinks, Rock! However, the caption for panel four reads, The next instant. And it appears as though Batman is being rushed by a bull. Batman thinks, Blazes! But then in the final panel of page nine, there's a thwack sound effect as the bull head, and we now see that it's just probably the same thing that the little boy was using, or something similar at least, is being thrown against Batman by a thick, dark-haired figure. Obviously not Sergeant Rock, obviously not the little boy. In the first panel of page ten, Batman ducks out of the way as his assailant rushes past. There's a walk as the bull's horn glides with the ball. And then in panel two, the thickly mustachioed man swings around again towards Batman. But Batman leaps out of the way in panel three. And the bull, in inverted commas, collides with a windowsill. And the man and the apparatus go flying out the window in the next panel to fall down into the arena. Gosh! Now no roars of triumph or defeat echo in the empty arena. Only the silence of death. The silence of death, that sounds like a good Doctor Who story, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Batman has been joined once again by Angel. Batman says, Sorry about your Toro rig, Angel. Hey, Sahara, that I can fix, which is more than I can say for that thief who stole it. Yes, and we can see that the thief appears to be draped over the bullfighting apparatus. Gosh. Not long after, in the central police headquarters... Yes, Batman is talking to a very handsome young police officer who is saying, Your would-be assassin, Bad Hombre, was a member of the Compañeros. He had a record of every kind of crime. Hmm. I was afraid of that, but 
did that gang know I'm here, or did that killer just happen by? Interesting. So, there's a caption at the top of page 11, and it says, Again, using the night for cover, the Cape Crusader moves across the sleeping city. See, if that had been Sleepy City, I could have talked about a really, really good Rolling Stones song, but oh well, not to worry. <laughs> yes, this is another shot of Batman in silhouette, and we can see that he's being observed by another figure in silhouette who appears to be smoking a cigar. Interesting. Batman creeps along the rooftops, thinking, Dawn coming. Got to reach the embassy. One big puzzler. What was Rock doing outside the arena right before that companero ambushed me? There he is again, in that doorway. He's looking my way. And then a caption for panel two yells at us. Suddenly! Yes, and there's a wang-a-wang sound effect as suddenly, indeed, Batman's legs are circled as he helpfully thinks. Bowlers! And we see Batman's reaction as the as the weapon does what it has to do, and he goes flying from the roof. The caption for panel three clarifies this, saying, His legs entrapped by the whirling balls, the masked manhunter topples like a pampas fox. And panel three shows Batman tumbling out of the sky. He lands with a thud in panel four. Manages to land on his feet, and we can see a silhouetted figure rushing towards him. In panel five, this figure is no longer silhouetted, but stands over Batman, and we can see that he's got a wire in his hands, and in panel six, Batman is still recovering as this figure grabs him from behind and pulls the wire around his neck. Batman is in pain. In the first panel of page 12, Batman recovers his wits enough to slam backwards into his attacker with a wham they collide against the wall, and the caption of panel two says, The next instant... Yeah, with a walk sound effect, Batman hurls the bowlers at his attacker and manages to loop them around the man's wrist. In the background, another figure with a knife is rushing towards him, and in panel three, with a whack, Batman swings around the first attacker and sends him flying into the new guy. Gosh! Batman pauses for breath in panel four as the figures run away, thinking, Throat feels like an elephant stepped on it. The companions of death. Twice in one night, they tried to get me. He gets a close-up in the next panel. That clinches it. The Campaneros were told Batman's here and were ready for me. And the only one who knows I'm here, besides the authorities, is a certain six-striper named Sergeant Rock. Gosh, could Sergeant Rock be working with the Companions of Death? <gasps> Surely not. The caption for the final panel, page 12. But now, as Batman hurries to resume his diplomatic identity at the embassy... The sentry at the embassy cries, Halt! As in the foreground of the panel, we see a knife that has been seems to have been thrown with a piece of paper attached to it, or has at least been thrown to pin a piece of paper into the embassy sign that's on the gatepost. A sign that reads, Americano dogs, El Ambassador Adams dies at noon, unless our demands are honoured. And it's signed, Los Campaneros de la Muerte. Now that I think about it, I think that Los Campaneros de la Muerte supported menswear at the Liverpool Lomax in 1995. I could be wrong. Someone will tell me. The first panel of page 13 is captioned, Shortly! And we're in the company of Bruce Wayne, and Abbott Carlyle. They're looking at some bits of paper and Bruce is thinking, Noon. So little time and I've got to play diplomats. Then he says, Carlyle, has Sergeant Rock returned yet? No, Mr. Ambassador. He's long overdue. If you ask me, he's behaving oddly of late. Careful, Carlyle. Remember, Rock's a decorated hero. <laughs> Why did your big hero drive Ambassador Adams on a different route the night he was abducted? Ah! So Sergeant Rock was the guy driving the... The limousine on page one, then? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Should I have picked that up by now? <laughs> I hope if you, have, if listeners, if you're paying attention, you picked that up. Well done, because I certainly hadn't. Off camera, <laughs> Alfred says, Mr. Wayne, sir. Then he arrives in panel three to say, 
I just found this in your private quarters, sir. Your bedroom has been bugged. He's holding up a tiny little device. Bruce Wayne is appalled. He says, What? Have the entire embassy searched? We must find the listening post for that bug. The caption for panel four. And an immediate search of the rambling old structure reveals... We see Alfred on the phone, and very helpfully for the plot, he's saying, Mr. Wayne, sir, I'm afraid I've found the listening post. In Sergeant Rock's quarters. You see the sergeant's dress uniform in the background. A caption and a slow dissolve. Not long after... You see Sergeant Rock with a cigar or a cigarette, no tie, open collar, it's very, very scruffy. He's being confronted by Bruce Wayne. The Rock is saying, Huh? You found that gizmo in Rock's room? I never saw it before. Like you never saw Batman almost get killed twice last night? Or are there two American sergeants with mugs like unmade beds in these parts? The Rock grabs Bruce by the scruff of his jacket and the final panel of page 13 saying, Are you accusing Rock of being a traitor? Why, you crummy playboy? As ambassador, I'm in command here. Cool it, Rock. That's an order. I don't like this way that Sergeant Rock refers to himself as Rock. Yes. It makes him sound like he's maybe... A bit damaged, I don't know. It sounds a bit like a punch-drunk boxer. Yeah, it's it's worrying, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, we arrive at the first panel of page 14. Bruce Wayne straightens his tie, points at Sergeant Rock, saying, And until further notice, you're under house arrest. Don't leave the embassy. Understood, Sergeant? And the Rock of Easy Company salutes and says, Understood, Mr. Ambassador, sir. He leaves the room in panel two, and we get a close-up of Bruce Wayne as he thinks, Hate to believe it, but it all fits. His bitterness against Uncle Sam. His fingering Batman. This bugging device. Looks like Rock sold out his country. Oh my goodness. Right, well that's the end of part one. Join us next week for part two of the story. I'm just kidding. A caption says... Quite some time later... Rock's disobeying orders. A little junior sentry holds up his rifle as Rock marches towards him through the open embassy doors. The sentry says... I, I'm sorry, Sergeant Rock, sir. My orders are not allow you to leave the embassy grounds. Sure, Sonny. Old Rock understands. A good soldier always follows orders, right? But a good soldier also never lets anybody get close enough to do this. And with a pow, Rock punches the junior soldier on the chin, sending his hat flying. And in panel five, the boy's down on the ground as Rock runs out the embassy gates, thinking, I thought I taught him better than that. Crummy recruits they're sending these days. Good thing old Rock's done with this man's army. When we arrive at the top of page 15, first caption says, And as the burly ex-boss of Easy vanishes... Yep, a couple of figures help the young soldier to his feet. The first one says, This proves it. The sergeant is a traitor, part of the Compañero conspiracy. Bruce Wayne replies, I'm afraid so, Carlyle. He's sold out his Uncle Sam. Now, is that a reference to the Quality Comics character, or just... No, it's not, is it? Not in this case. Anyway, <laughs> Bruce Wayne continues to think... Now to try to trail him as Batman, in hopes he'll lead to Ambassador Adams before time runs out. Interesting framing in panel 2 of page 15. Some bare feet and some torn jeans as a young figure rushes to the scene, crying, Ambassador Wayne, I have a message for him. Bruce thinks, It's Angel, my bullfighting pal. Then he says, I'm Wayne, son. Que pasa? Angel arrives in panel 3, gets up close to Bruce and says, My message is for your ears alone. And then Angel whispers, Tell that hombre. Bruce thinks, The truck. He spotted the kidnapped truck hidden not far from here. Good boy. Do you want to become a new Robin, son? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a thought. Because yeah, Dick's off to you. Didn't <laughs> anyway. Abbott Carlyle, lingering in the background as that exchange takes place. 
The caption then for the next panel. Shortly, when a battered van pulls out of a garage... Out of a what? <laughs> garage. <laughs> okay. Joey, a few years ago, we did a... I think... Do you remember a band called Belly mm-hmm. from the 90s? They were playing The Garage. And of course, them being American, they just this one pronounced it, the garage. So everybody was laughing, the crowd was cheering. So it's real nice to be here at the garage. And everybody's like, "Way!" <laughs> Sorry, how do you say it? How, it, was, it was very funny. Anyway, this battered van, it's sort of rusty orange colour. Batman has leapt onto the roof. The people inside haven't noticed. Batman is thinking, This is it, all right. Identifying Denton Hall. Wonder where they're heading. Quickly, Batman produces a listening device from his utility belt, and... Yes, Batman is stretched out on the roof of the vehicle, listening away, and we hear from inside the van... You are ready, Carlos? See, si. am I not the official executioner? The American Adams dies when we reach the embassy. All the accents in all the world in this one small South American country, <laughs> listeners. Some of them might even be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> not many. <laughs> As he listens on the rooftop, Batman thinks... What? The ambassador's hidden in a foreign embassy? The caption then for the first panel of page 16, and it's only page 16, says... As the van picks up speed and moves across the city... Yes, in the foreground, amusingly here, we see a sign on a gatepost that says Embassy of the United Kingdom. Batman's still on the roof. He hasn't been spotted by the people inside or indeed by anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, senor, you have a bat ombre on your roof. They're waving, pointing. What's wrong with those people? I don't know. They're crazy. Let's keep going. Anyway... So yes, back to the plot. Batman is thinking... No wonder the army and police couldn't find a trace of him. An embassy is foreign soil and can't be searched. So, the Campaneros were working with some other country. But which one? Yes, and again, I'll draw attention to the embassy of the United Kingdom. Could could the UK be in on things? A caption for panel two. But as the minutes go by... Batman is still doing his impression of Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf, as he thinks... Yay. We've already passed a dozen. Where are they heading? And then the caption for panel three. You'll get the shocking answer to that, Batman, right now. Van has pulled up at some embassy gates. From inside, Carlos's pal says, Delivery for the kitchen, amigo. Our passes. Holds up a piece of paper. The sentry at the gate says, Okay, enter. And we see on the gatepost beside the sentry a label that says, United States of America. Embassy. Batman is appalled, he thinks. Holy Hades, here! The American Embassy! I... I can't believe it! Is that the first appearance of Victor Meldrew in the podcast? Yes, I don't believe it. <laughs> Caption for panel four. And as the van pulls up to the Embassy rear door... And the door to the van opens, and Carlos and a few of his pals exit the van and make their way inside the Embassy. Batman, who's still not been spotted, lurks behind the van, watches them and thinks... It's almost noon... That guy Carlos, he's the one who tried to garrote me. Must be the ambassador's executioner. The ambassador's executioner. That's a great name for something. Mm. Anyway, caption for the final panel of page 16. Waiting a moment, the masked manhunter quickly follows into the embassy's large old kitchen. Batman, very helpfully, has a thought here. Fantastic! A secret passageway behind the fireplace, left from the days when this was the governor's palace. Yeah, we can see that the, the fireplace, which has a roaring fire inside it, sort of swung forward, and we can see a staircase through the, the gap behind it, and some silhouetted figures making their way downstairs. The caption for the first panel of page 17. Before the fireplace can swing shut... Batman obviously leaps through, and he thinks... How clever. Adams was hidden under our feet all the time. And Rock, 
He was the traitor who made it all possible. Oh my goodness. Caption for panel two. Down steep, time-worn steps, Batman descends to... And we see Ambassador Adams, who's an older, thicker set, gentlemen, white hair and glasses, sat on a chair, surrounded by three figures, one of whom is Carlos. Carlos is pointing a gun at the Ambassador's tummy and saying, The government pigs refuse to ransom you, Senor Adams, so we show them the Campaneros are not to be scorned. The Ambassador replies, Do what you will. I am not afraid to die. And the next panel all kicks off as Batman swings in and cries, Mr. Ambassador, grab hold of my legs. And with a couple of handy thwock sound effects, he kicks Carlos and his pal out of the way. Ambassador Adams cries, Batman! The next moment... Yeah, dynamic action as Batman swings in on his line and then swings out again with Ambassador Adams grabbing him round the ankles, Batman bearing <laughs> his weight. Carlos cries, El Batombre! One of his pals cries, Kill them both. Now Batman has swung them over a little... I don't know, I want to say balustrade or balcony, it's not quite clear, but there's a little wall that they're hiding behind in the final panel of page 17. Gunshots ricocheting off it as Batman says, Stay down while I try to cool off these characters. And the ambassador ducks down. The first panel of page 18 has a caption, and the caption says, But as the Cape Crusader swings back again across the chamber... Yep, there's a zeep sound effect. We see a little concussive burst as Batman thinks, Batrobe bought a bullet. Batrobe bought a bullet. That could be a Paul McCartney B-side. <laughs> this era, maybe. In panel two, Batman is down on the ground being set upon by Carlos and his pals. Batman thinks, If you're trapped in a hornet's nest, better keep swatting and stomping. Yep, punching away, but unfortunately weight of numbers is too much. The caption for panel three. But the hornets swarm too quickly. Batman looks pained as he's grabbed by the compañeros and Carlos, who we should describe as having a stereotypically evil goatee beard, untidy hair under an orange berry, cries, Hold him, amigos. This time I will finish him. There's a massive... Suddenly... Caption the next panel, and suddenly indeed, at the peering at the bottom of the stairs, gun blazing, it's Sergeant Rock who cries, Hold it! As he opens fire. Batman thinks, Rock, he wants to execute me himself. The caption for the final panel of page 18. But... And we see Rock firing towards the compañeros as he cries, Bad guy, over here! Batman starts running, now. The tiny caption says, continue in the second page following, and I want to mention the advertisement at the bottom of the opposite page. First time ever! A handsome reproduction of the first issue of Action Comics right in a top-quality T-shirt. This collector's item is yours for only $2, plus 25 cents handling and postage. Send wow. today. Nice drawing of a couple of kids Amazing. with their Action Comics number one T-shirt. Superb. Listeners, if you've got a couple of them lying around, send them to me and Peter so we can recreate that pose. Yay. We arrive at the top of page 19. Batman and Sergeant Rock jumping over the wall where Ambassador Adams was hiding. Batman says, Rock! How? What? I've been following you, bad buddy. I figured a smart bozo like you would find this rat's nest sooner or later. Then you didn't sell out. As Sergeant Rock continues to fire down at the compañeros, and he says, What? Old Rock may gripe a lot, but sell out? Never. Keep your wig down, Mr. Ambassador, sir. There's a nice shot here, which reminds me of the... Um, do you remember the episode of Police Squad with the gunfight where they're firing each other from two dustbins yeah. that are very close together? <laughs> yes, very much like that. Yeah, it looks as though Batman and Sergeant Rock and the Ambassador and the Compañeros are all very close together. It looks as though actually a couple mm. of Compañeros have been shot already. Yeah. Batman is saying, Then you were following me all along. You weren't fingering me. No, thankfully Sergeant Rock wasn't fingering Batman. Sergeant Rock continues, Nah! And I had to break house arrest, hoping I could help clean up these creeps and clear my rep. Boy, was I wrong about you. <laughs> How's our chances look, Sergeant? Not bad. Those compañeros won't rush old Rock's chopper. Lots of talk about fingering and choppers. I love it. Now, the next panel, off camera, we hear a laugh that cries. 
<laughs> and Rock says, Hey, why are those lice laughing? Batman says, That's why. Yes, because it seems the companions have unleashed, I want to say a portcullis type thing. Yeah. It's a wooden structure with some spikes, and it's obviously in some kind of hinge or rope because it's swinging down over and above them. A caption at the top of page 20 says, As the bizarre device swings down. Yeah, it's now hanging over Ambassador Adams and Batman and Sergeant Rock. Ambassador Adams says, Shades of Edgar Allan Poe. Must be something from the old days for ringing confessions from prisoners. Batman says, Right, Mr. Ambassador. If we run, the Campaneros will blast us. If we stay, we'll be cut to bits. Sergeant Rock has noticed something behind them. He points and says, Bad guy, that old elevator gizmo there. It's got to go up to the embassy. Take the ambassador and bug out. I'll cover you. And leave you here alone? Forget it, Rock. I'm running this show. The ambassador's life is my responsibility. So take him and go. That's an order, buster. And he points the gun into the nape of Batman's neck. Gosh, all very exciting. The caption for panel four. The eyes that have faced so many enemies, stiffened the spines of scared recruits, cannot be argued with. Yep, the rock reiterates, go, 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 as he fires and in the background we see Batman and Ambassador Adams taking their leave. They've climbed into a sort of dumb waiter effect, essentially, in the final panel of page 20. Batman is pulling in the rope and it's starting to ascend. Batman is saying, rock, holding off those killers to save us. And that's the man the army won't let re-enlist. We arrive at the top of page 21. A few seconds later, a dusty storeroom. Yep. Batman and the Ambassador are emerging from the lift. Batman says, We've made it, Mr. Ambassador. But where are we? It's a part of the embassy even I'm not familiar with. We can see some filing cabinets and some drawers and other bits of furniture arranged around and a silhouetted figure appears in the bottom corner and says, But I am, gentlemen. Unfortunately for you. We get a proper look at him in panel two as Batman reacts and says, Carlyle, you, you're the spy. The traitor! Exactly. I tried to make heroic Sergeant Rock appear to have betrayed dear Uncle Sam, but it doesn't matter anymore. Both of you die. Now. And he pulls a pistol. The caption for panel three. Batman measures the distance between himself and the gun, knowing it is too far, too far. Suddenly... There's a blam from off camera. And Abbott Carlyle pitches forward, dropping a gun. Ambassador Adams looks shocked. And then a friendly face emerges in the right-hand corner of panel four, bearing a smoking pistol. Batman says, Alfred? And Alfred says, Mr. Wayne told me to keep my eyes and ears open. And you know I always follow his orders, says Alfred. Batman moves away in the next panel, saying, Rock, he's still down there. Needs help. Mr. Ambassador, get on the phone. Authorise the police to enter the embassy and clean up the Campaneros. At once, Batman, says the ambassador. And the caption for the final panel. At this moment, below. Yep, the spikes have dropped even further. Sergeant Rock is thinking, Gizmo's so low, I can't put my head up to fire. Only one thing to try. Hang a pineapple on it. If I can. We can see that he's got a grenade in his hand. We turn the page, the final page of the story, the caption for the first panel. Like a blind man trying to thread a needle, the Rock of Easy thrusts the grenade in the path of the slashing, swinging spikes, and... Yep, we see him throwing the grenade into the structure, which has the spikes at the bottom. As it waves away from him, the Rock cries, Did it! You can see that he's pulled the pin, the caption for panel two. The next moment, as the contraption swings out above the Campaneros... There's an enormous... Blam! As the grenade explodes and the device is shattered, one of the compañeros cries, Look out! And the caption for panel three of page 22 says, Then silence. 
broken by the voice of a man close to tears. Batman has arrived on the scene, and rather confusingly, he's thinking, Rock! Rock! Too late. He did it. Finished those Campaneros. But bought it himself. Yeah, we can see the boot of Sergeant Rock emerging from the rubble, smoke drifting past. But then, strong arms lift some of the rubble out of the way, and we see Rock in panel four as he says, Hey, bad buddy, don't go blowing taps over me yet. Remember, all soldiers never die. They just re-enlist. Rock, you son of a... And we have our final slow dissolve. Final panel of the story now, a caption says, Some time later... In the foreground, Alfred's putting a suitcase into the boot of a car, and Bruce Wayne is shaking hands with Sergeant Rock in the background. Bruce is saying, Well, Rock, the treaty was signed this morning. My mission here is over. Yeah, and the army took me back for another hitch. Thanks to you and the bad guy. Guess the good guys won another one. And a small caption says, The end. Well, first and foremost, I have to say, I enjoyed this a lot more in the reading and the performing than I did in the reading in the preparation. That was very exciting. Legopolis. Yes, I feel exactly <laughs> the same way. Good. I actually thought when I first read this, this one's a bit of a dog. Yes. But that was actually a lot of fun to read. <laughs> yes, very exciting in the reading, and yeah, a lot of fun, ultimately. Sergeant Rock, thankfully, wasn't the traitor, and it was Albert Carlyle. I didn't guess that, to be honest. I thought Albert might have been someone that arrived in the end to help with the final battle before someone else was revealed, but I suppose if you're going to introduce an, an embassy aide who knows his way around in the first act, he's going to be revealed to be the baddie in the, the third. Yep, there weren't many other suspects, let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be POTUS or El Presidente. So. Yes, oh, can you imagine if it had been POTUS? That would have been terrifying. I'm not a crook. <laughs> yeah, and wasn't it nice, everyone, that Peter got the chance to do his, his Richard Nixon impression again? <laughs> it's always fun to break out. I think It's so. not very good, but it's still fun to break out. <laughs> I've got to ask, mm. what do you get from the title, The Striped Pants War? Because oh. I've no idea what that relates to. I can only think of a fight between the Trickster and Kronos. <laughs> <laughs> which is what kind of that implied to me wow when we write, <laughs> we write our, our dc, DC comic. comic we're gonna have a story where chronos battles the trickster i guess starring the flash and the atom obviously mm, of course you know i don't know i wonder if is it an americanism <laughs> that we are not aware of it must be could it be a reference to something listeners please get in touch and let us steve, know steve chuck max maybe Max Rich, if you know, please get in touch. Let us know. That mm. would be we'd we'd love to know what that means. No, I didn't think of that <laughs> until you mentioned it. That's funny. Cool. Let's talk about how on his second appearance in Brave and the Bold, the cover doesn't really no kind of suggest the idea that the Rock has turned traitor. But there's not a scene when Batman recoils after being shot by the Sarge. No, it's true. Although the Sarge does appear and fires right near Batman at the Campaneros, though. Yes, and Batman thinks that's what's going to happen, but not at the gates. And yeah. Yeah. I will have to keep an eye on that and see how accurate the covers are of Batman Sergeant Rock team ups as we progress, <laughs> listeners, won't we? So far it's two nil against. <laughs> <laughs> two nil against accuracy of aforementioned covers. Mm. I don't really have too much more to say. I thought in my initial mm. reading, I thought Nick's artwork was quite muddy yeah. in places. But again, mm. The, as we actually read it, I kind of appreciated it a little bit more. I think it suited the story a lot more than the slightly more evolved style has suited the Plastic Man story we did a few weeks ago. Uh -huh. Rock wasn't around terribly much, I suppose. No, not hugely, no. But it was nice that Batman got to do some detecting, and I liked the, I liked the local friendly little kid character. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, he was fun. Although that assassin was killed by Batman. Yes, he literally was pushed through the, the barricade. Through the window, yeah. Through the window, and uh, he fell to his death. 
Yep. So, so you could say that it was an accident, but certainly Batman didn't seem to be all that bothered. Yeah, let's let's have a moment's silence for the death of that assassin. I've been listening to the excellent Talkville podcast recently, which is Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling reviewing Smallville, mm-hmm. and they've been keeping count mm-hmm. of the number of people who die and the number of people who have been <laughs> saved. And it's had me sort of thinking, oh, I wish we'd done something similar. <laughs> but not to worry. There's a couple other bits I want to highlight. Um, I mean, you mentioned Nick Cardi's artwork in this. I think my favourite panel of this whole thing is where Rock's revealed not to be a traitor and they're all hiding behind that small wall. It's, I think it's top of page 19 and Batman is completely beaming. He's a massive <laughs> cheesy grin in his face. It is just yes. unbelievably cheesy and wonderful and epic and... <laughs> honest and dramatic and perfect for the scene yes. it's exactly what what he'd be doing because he's like thinking oh this person I think of as an ally is a traitor but it's like no he's actually saving me yes he's so relieved isn't he he's delighted yes. it's so good I love that another interesting bit that I really enjoyed was the fake Batman Alfred coming in in the padded bat suit mm-hmm. now Alfred's actually shaved off his moustache for that. Because if you look at the rest of the story, he's not got his moustache. Oh, you're right. It's very conspicuously <laughs> absent. I hadn't noticed that before, especially on page 13. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because if you were to look at him, as I actually did in the initial preparation, when I was mm-hmm. working out who was doing who, you don't recognise that guy as Alfred immediately. Mm-hmm. So when you read it and get the conversation gist. I mean, El Presidente on page 5 looks more like Alfred. That's <laughs> True. fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, a few times in the Batman TV series, Alfred stepped in to pose as Batman, but uh, the moustache stayed on. <laughs> it was yes. usually in front of a distance shot or whatever it was required. But, uh, that rings a bell, that actually, a yeah. couple of times, yeah. That's an excellent spot. I hadn't I hadn't registered that, actually, so well done. Applause for that one. That's a good one. Had you noticed, listeners? Write in and let us know. No, I love that. That was great fun. <laughs> I was quite disappointed at the lack of full moons that we got in this episode, given all the nighttime skulking yeah. around. You know, disappointing. Uh-huh. Must try harder, Mr. Nick Cardy. Yeah, it was fantastic just having Batman holding on to the top of that van as he drive around <laughs> town. <laughs> Completely deserted streets, incidentally. No one's around at all. For ages. Sensational, yeah. 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 <laughs> It's not even like the van is a blue or a grey colour where he could have inconspicuously hidden. Mm. It's obviously standing out completely. A rusty brown. Yes. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> rusty brown who supported menswear at the Birmingham Foundry in 1995, yes. <laughs> do we want to tackle the elephant in the room then? Let's do it. Okay. Right. Listeners, remember we talked at the top about issue 84, which had Batman meeting Sergeant Rock during World War Two, And then this story, which we've just finished, had a caption which alluded to that meeting mm-hmm. as being the first time Batman and Bruce Wayne had met. But this is obviously the contemporary, as it were, Earth One, youthful, age 30 at the most Bruce Wayne that's taking part in this story. So he would have had to have been very, very young indeed to have met Sergeant Rock during World War Two. Peter has some more thoughts on it. Yeah, well, this is a weird thing because in this story, Sergeant Rock recognises Bruce Wayne straight away as Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne. Now, in that previous story, when they met, Bruce Wayne was an undercover as Jack Pimpernel. That's right, with the, the funny nickname of Fancy Dan in a couple of panels. <laughs> yes, and at no point was it revealed that he was actually Bruce Wayne. Also in that story, the Rock and Easy Company were completely unaware of Batman's presence. Yep. Because everything Batman did wasn't unrelated directly to them. They didn't see him at any point and were unaware he was there. Yeah, he was kind of rushing around behind them, kind of keeping in yeah. the shadows. Behind the scenes, yeah. So... Rock didn't know at all Batman was there, yet he's saying, yeah, Batman was a great help then. Yeah. 
also the end of that story takes place in what's supposed to be the present day. Yes. And Sergeant Rock recognises Jack Pimpernel as Jack Pimpernel, not as Bruce Wayne. Mm. And refers to him as that, saying, what are you up to these days, Jack? And he's like, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm a private detective. Yeah. And that's the action. But at no point is it revealed that he's Bruce Wayne, which makes it a complete discontinuity between that issue and this one. Yeah. Unless there is another story in between those two stories. Yeah. In which Batman's presence is revealed and also Bruce Wayne's secret identity of Jack Pimpernel is also revealed to Sergeant yeah. Robert. Perhaps he's seen some classified documents that's revealed that in the meantime. My thoughts regarding sort of continuity at this point are that this story we've just finished is also an Earth 2. Yes. Basically because Bruce is a pipe. I'm not used to seeing him with a pipe. That's something <laughs> that suggests to me, you know, an old man, an older man's habit rather than an old man's habit, an older mm-hmm. man's habit. And they do talk about Rock explicitly refers to meeting Batman yeah. or this encounter with Batman during the war. And we we decided reading eighty four because it was set during World War Two and Batman was active during World War Two. I'm postulating then that this issue B and B ninety six is a, is an adventure of the Earth two Batman. I would agree with that. Obviously, Bats in this episode has the Batman uniform with the yellow oval, but as we've discussed. He has been seen with the Justice Society of America with the yellow oval, so it's entirely possible that he was trying it out for a little while. Mm-hmm. As Peter has very clearly explained, the internal logic of tying this into the, the World War II story doesn't hold tight on the terms that they use in issue 96, but the fact that they refer no. to this adventure during the war, and it's evidently the same two men, yeah. means, as far as I'm concerned, B&B 96 is their two Batman. That's the only explanation, I think. The only other way around it, which is a huge stretch, would be to say that there was a similar adventure for Batman and Sergeant Rock on Earth One that took place in which it was revealed he was Bruce Wayne, but we'd had he would have had to have been very, very young. And yeah. this would make him, as I said, in his fifties, and it's highly unlikely that would be the case. Yeah. It makes much more sense it's the Earth Two one. Also yeah. talking about the the pipe smoking, Earth One Batman did smoke a pipe occasionally, even up till the early eighties. Oh, really? Yeah, and at the beginning of New Teen Titans, they tried to show how detached Bruce Wayne was from Dick Grayson because Dick Grayson was young and hip and wanted to right. go out on his own, and Bruce Wayne was sitting in Wayne Manor with a smoking jacket on and a pipe. Yeah, but it rarely, rarely happens from beyond the sixties. Yeah, I can picture that. I don't think about it. But yeah, but it was a thing that happened all the time back in the the Golden Age and the early Silver Age. So much more likely to be the Earth 2 Batman. This is where my lack of Batman reading lights me down, I suppose. It's an interesting one because Braden Bold, for the bulk of the time, is telling contemporary stories of the contemporary Batman. Hmm. And as we say, if we're just taking the stories as the first primary source and everything that we're talking about, hmm. the fact that, yeah, and I'm reiterating and repeating here, I know, I'm sorry, but referring back to B&B 84, which, as we've established, was, yeah, this is this has to be an Earth 2. It's an exception. Mm-hmm. I think, so. This, I'm as far as I'm concerned... You know, when we did the Batman and Wildcat issue, Brave and Bold, we decided mm-hmm. that the best explanation for that was that there was a Wildcat on Earth 1, didn't we? Yes. And we were also aware that it, even though it loosely followed the continuity of what happened with Ted Grant and the Spectre, it was mm-hmm. the easiest sort of explanation for everything that was going on, Batman's relationship with him and all that sort of stuff was that it, it was Earth 1. So this is the sort of thing we're going to monitor mm-hmm. going forward in the other Wildcat mm-hmm. stories and the other Sergeant Rock and indeed the other Spectre issues yeah. of Brave and Bold that we do that are going to follow the next couple of years. Yeah. Another piece of evidence that just popped into my head is Batman's attitudes to the guy that was killed in the arena because Earth-1 Batman, I don't think, would have been this blasé about someone being killed. Whereas sure. Earth-2 Batman, when he first appeared, he had a gun. You know, exactly. he was a bit more... Yes, that's an excellent point. ...gung-ho, as it were. Uh, he was a bit more rough and ready. Yeah. Uh, whereas 
Earth One Batman was much more kind of he was a lot cleaner and more martial art he wasn't yes. he, really he was more yes. flinging people over his uh-huh. shoulder rather than them taking them down yeah. that's a fair point i think listeners what's your thoughts on this which earth do you think this could be taking place on do you agree with us do you agree with our suggestions and our evidence or do you disagree violently completely please let us know now are there any contemporary letters sadly there's very little reader response in the letter column most of the letters at this time were all about what possibly could be happening in issue 100 But the only comment I can see about issue 96 is in issue 99, and it says, About the cover of 96, it looks like Infantino and Anderson did the Batman figure while Nick Cardi were responsible for the rest. Is this true? Asked Gary Skinner from Columbus, Ohio. And editorial response is, True, true, Gary. You've got the perception of a genius, says the editor. Yeah, because I I thought actually we hadn't actually said who drew the cover, so that's very helpful. (laughs) And earlier on in this letter column, there's lots of chat about who the guest stars could be for issue 100. Right. And I've just spotted a familiar name. At the bottom of it, it says, of all the ideas submitted that literally ran from A to Z, Aquaman to Zatanna, one must get special mention. Mark Wade of Aniston popped up with Bernie the Brain from Sugar and Spike. (laughs) We'd have to check our own brain if we okayed a thing like that. Excellent. Legendary DC Comics writer Mark Wade. Is that the first appearance of Mark Wade in the podcast? It is the first time I've seen a letter or any commentary. That's fantastic. That's incredible. Oh, I love Mark Wade. God bless him. At the time of recording, his Dark Crisis tie-in is about to come out, Big Bang. Mm. And I've managed to read it because I happen to work in a comic shop and we've got them in <laughs> before they actually are released. <laughs> and it is epic. It references a lot of the stuff that we've actually talked about on the show. So please, listeners, pick up a copy of that issue. It should still be on the shelves by the time you hear this, but definitely check that out and see if you can spot any of the references to Earths that we've already talked about on this podcast. Absolutely. I can think of one already that I know for a fact. <laughs> and if you can, please write to us and let us know. You can email us at the earth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up some lovely bonus material for this and indeed every episode on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the earth2podcast and at Twitter we're at podcast underscore earth2. And if you'd rather, you could leave us a voicemail. Just go to speakpipe.com forward slash the earth2podcast. We might even play your clip on the show. Yeah, please do, listeners. It'd be great to hear from you. And this is obviously the point of the show where I would encourage you, as always, to go to wherever it is you receive your podcasts and leave us a nice positive review because such things are apparently good for our visibility. Well then, that's been our first episode of 2023. Where will we be by the end of the year? Only time will tell. It always does. On that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. We'll see you again very soon on... The Earth Earth 2 Podcast! Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. A shattering burst of atomic... Atomic? Wow. (laughs) Atomic fire. (laughs) Can you you imagine? That would really open up the story. Wow. That would be amazing. (laughs) That would take it in a whole new direction. All all for very quickly. Mm.